Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 6. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Romans chapter 6. Get your pen, get your pad. Have you been with us? We've been talking about sin and death. And you're probably already thinking, great, I came to church on the sin and death day. (laughs) Amen. I'm happy about it. Amen. Amen. Listen to this story. It's told of John, who invited his mother over for dinner, and listen, during the meal, his mother couldn't help noticing how beautiful John's roommate was. Well, she had long been suspicious of a relationship between John and his roommate, and this only made her more suspicious and more curious. Over the course of the evening, while watching the two interact, she started to wonder if there was more between John and his roommate than met the eye. Well, reading his mom's thoughts, John said, Mom, listen, I know what you must be thinking, but I'm sure, and I want to assure you that Julie and I are just roommates. Well, a week later, Julie came to John, and Julie said, John, ever since your mother came to dinner, I've been unable to find that beautiful silver gravy ladle. You don't suppose she took it, do you? Well, John said, well, I don't think so, but I'll write her a note just to be sure. So John sat down and he wrote a note. Dear Mom, I'm not saying you did take the silver gravy ladle from my house, and I'm not saying you didn't take the gravy ladle, but the fact remains that it's missing since ever since you've been here for dinner. Well, several days later, John received a letter from his mother which read, Dear Son, I'm not saying that you do sleep with Julie, And I'm not saying that you don't sleep with Julie. But the fact remains, if she were sleeping in her own bed, she would have found that gravy ladle by now. (laughs) Mom's no stuff. We've been talking about sin. And I don't even know where to go from there. And uh, if you've uh, been with us, that joke's been fun all day, I'll tell you, it's been hysterical. If you've been with us, uh, you got your pen, you got your pad, you got your Bible, are you praying? We need to pray again. And, uh, but uh, so far, if you've been with us, you know that uh, we've learned, get this, so far we've learned that, that we are justified by faith. We've learned that we are standing in the grace of God, that we are rejoicing in the glory of God. 
Formerly, last week we talked about this, we learned that we were formerly belonged to Adam. And it's in Adam that all were made sinners. But Jesus, the Bible teaches, the second Adam, came to undo what the first Adam did in the garden. Amen. And the second Adam, Jesus Christ, in him we're all made righteous. We talked about this. Now look in chapter 5. I want you to back up just a little bit to chapter 5. Look at chapter 5 and verse, uh, look at chapter 5 and verse 20. Let's look there real quick. Chapter 5, verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that, that the offense might abound. We talked about this last week. But where sin abounded, saints, read it with me, would you? Grace abounded much more. Last week we talked about where sin abounds, give me your attention, grace, the grace of God is much bigger. Where sin abounds, we talked about, God's grace abounds more. So, in other words, there's no sin too big for God. There's no sin too terrible. And all of the sins put together, as we talked about last week, could never exhaust the grace of God. It's impossible to out-sin the grace of God. Were you with us? If you weren't, pick up the teaching. I think it was pretty important. And so talking about important teachings, we come this morning to a very, listen to me, a very important, powerful passage that is imperative for every single Christian to understand. Romans chapter 6 is imperative for you to understand. Because this morning, what we learn from Romans chapter 6 is going to take us from enduring the Christian life, watch this, to enjoying the Christian life. How many know that there is a difference between enduring the Christian life and enjoying the Christian life? There's some people, who, how you doing, just getting by? Oh, wait a minute, you're enduring the Christian life or are you enjoying the Christian life? There's a difference between possessing eternal life and possessing abundant life. What we're talking about this morning is the victorious Christian life. I heard so much teaching about and preaching about the victorious Christian life. What in the world does that mean? And how can I, as an everyday, simple Christian who wants to love God, who wants to know God, who wants to enjoy this Christian thing, how can I get my mind, my heart, my spirit Around this whole topic of the victorious Christian life, what does that mean? I think Paul in Romans chapter 6, are you listening? I think Paul completely spells it out for us. How is it that we can begin to enjoy and have a victorious Christian life? Paul reveals in chapter 6 that in Christ we have victory. And if you're taking notes, you want to pick up right here. We have victory. I'm going to give you four points that we're going to talk about in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Four points in how we can have victory in Christ. Number one, we have victory in Christ because, saints, listen, we have a new identification. Amen. We'll find that in verses 1 through 5. We have a new identification And not only do we have a new identification, talk about this thing of victory, we have victory because we have radical information. Radical information, not just information, 
life-changing, radical information. We'll find that in verses 6 through 10. And then we'll talk about not only new identification and radical information, but point number three, there is simple appropriation. We find that in verse 11 only. Simple appropriation. And then finally, simple appropriation leads to point number four, practical application. And we'll find that in verses 12 through 14. New identification. Talk about victorious living Christians. New identification. Radical information. Simple appropriation. And practical application. We pick up our study this morning as we continue. In the book of Romans chapter 6. And we pick up in verse 1. Saints, if you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. What shall we say then? In verse 1, question, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What does verse 2 saints say? Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know, underline that, that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the oldness of life. Is that what it says? Even so we should walk in the way we used to be. Is that what it says? Even so we should walk in what? In the newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, well, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Let's go to our second point here in verse 6. Knowing this, knowing this, underline that, that our old man, our old nature, our old self was crucified with him. That the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. And if we died with Christ, we believe, we certainly do, Calvary Chapel, we believe, what? That we shall also live with him. You believe that? Say amen. Amen. Knowing, in verse 9, that Christ, having been raised from the dead, he dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, Jesus died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. We just read the first two points in our outline. New identification, radical information brings us to point number one. New identification. We just read it, and give me your attention, we just read it in verse 20 of chapter 5. We just read, where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. Now, if you've been around here at Calvary Chapel for a minute, you know that we believe and teach the grace of God. That we are saved by grace through faith, and that's not of yourself, it's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. Don't get that confused. And don't get spiritual dyslexia. We're not saved by faith through grace. We are saved by grace through faith. 
If you get spiritual dyslexia on that verse, you just got yourself into the point of legalism. We are saved by faith. That's you. No, we are not saved by faith. We are saved by, somebody help me. Through, somebody help me. And that, thank you. Because see, you can't, you can't get that wrong. So we teach here at Calvary Chapel this whole topic of grace. Now, there are pastors and preachers, are you listening, and people who are afraid to teach grace because if you teach grace or if you tell people that they are saved by grace and that there's nothing they can do to add to that, then what happens is many people and preachers and pastors begin to think that you're giving people a license to sin. <laughs> because if you teach them that they're saved by grace and they can just come to God and ask for forgiveness because it's all grace, they think people are going to go out and sin it up because all they got to do is come back to God and ask for grace and forgiveness and God's going to do it. So they don't teach grace for that very reason. Listen, that's wrong. If you have a true understanding of grace, listen, please. If you have a true understanding of grace, the biblical position on the grace of God, it will not lead to lawlessness and laziness. It will lead to liberty. And it is not a liberty that says I can go out and sin it up. It's not a liberty that says I can go out and do whatever I want to do. It's a liberty that sets you free. Watch this. Not to sin. Not to sin. Not to sin. You don't have to sin. Listen, the, that's Flip Wilson that said the devil made me do it. Geraldine. Well, I'm too old. Uh, I'm getting it. Some of y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. Christians, we don't have to sin. We are freed from sin. We now have the power not to sin because we know and understand what the Bible has to say about the grace of God. Now we're free to love God. We understand that we're free in Christ. We understand that we're not under the penalty of sin. We understand that we're not under the power of sin. And we don't have to do anything that we don't want to do. When you understand grace, you understand that you're forgiven and that you're accepted in the beloved. And it's not about performance. It's about relationship. Relationship. Yeah. I got a relationship with God. Are y'all listening to me? And I love God. And I love him enough that I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to sin against him. And I have the freedom now to say no. See, before I was a Christian, I didn't have freedom. Listen, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're not free. You're in bondage to sin. And you do what you do because you have to do what you do. Because Satan has got you... Chain, Paul said to the church. He said to Pastor Timothy that they are held captive. First Timothy. They're held captive by Satan at his will. So you're, you're under bondage. You have to sin. But if you're a Christian, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Now, Christian, listen, if you sin, that's because you want to sin. 
You don't have to. Because you've been set free. You see, grace leads us, the understanding of grace leads us to this understanding. We have a new identification. We now identify with Christ. A new identification. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it, Paul says. And then look at verse 3 in your Bible. As many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. Now the Bible, listen, has a lot to say about baptism. The Bible talks a lot about baptism in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. You look that up in your own time. The disciples are talking about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus said, can you be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said, no, we can't. And there in Matthew 20, 20, 20, 20, Jesus was talking about his suffering. Talking about baptism, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2, talks about being baptized into Moses in the wilderness. Matthew chapter 3, right about verse 11, John the Baptist said, the one that is coming after me was going to baptize, John said, with the spirit and with fire. Now in that text, are you listening? John is not talking about Pentecostal fire. John, when John says the Spirit's going to come, the one coming after him is going to baptize with, with the Spirit and with fire. John is talking about judgment. How do you know, Rodney? Well, if you just go down one verse in Matthew chapter 3, right about verse 12, you'll see that John begins to talk about his winnowing fan is in his hand. And he starts talking about judgment there. So the Bible has a lot to say about Baptism, that's just a thumbnail sketch. A lot to say about baptism. The word baptism, if you're taking notes, it literally means this. To be placed into. It means to be placed into. So I believe, now if you look at verse 3 again, that as many of us that were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, I believe that this is referring to, speaking of, being born again. When you become a Christian, listen, there is a union that takes place. Did you know? When you gave your life to Christ, there was a union that took place. And you were then placed into Christ. Just like water baptism in application, you are being placed into the water. And remember I told you that baptism is an Outward sign of what, saints? Uh, inward reality. The outward sign is that I love God and I'm going to serve God. The inward reality is I've taken Jesus into my heart. And so you go down in the water, which speaks of death, and you rise up. Have you been baptized? If you haven't been baptized, we're going to have a baptism. Plan to be there. The going down in the water speaks of the fact that you have been placed into the water and dying to yourself. You're going into a grave. And the coming up out of the water speaks of your rising unto the newness of life. So when you're, being, when you're baptized, you've got to understand in the Bible, in the New Testament, they didn't have altar calls. When somebody gave their life to Christ, they didn't... Have them come down the aisle and pray for them and have them make a public profession of Christ. 
In the Bible, when people gave their life to Christ, the outward sign, they would go in down to the river and be baptized. That was their altar call. Are you listening? That was their altar call. So here we have Paul telling us that our new identification is when we died to sin, when we were baptized into Christ, we were made one with him. Just like last week, we were made one with Adam. We learned that. And since we are one with him, listen, everything that happened to him literally happened to us spiritually. Everything that happened to Jesus literally happened to us spiritually. He died and was buried. And when we become a Christian, we die and the old man is buried. He was raised. We've been raised. He ascended. The Bible says, and is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And when you get saved, the Bible teaches, we ascend and we are seated with God. God already sees us glorified with him. Already he sees us glorified with him. And because of all of that, listen, we should walk in the newness of life. This word newness of life or newness of life literally speaks of a life that is new, a life that is fresh in quality. Resurrection speaks of, listen, fresh in quality. And by the way, just let me say in light of quote unquote recent discoveries of Jesus bones. May I go on record to say if it's all right, say amen. I'm going to say it anyway. This is crazy. And, and what? Look, this has been going on for... This has been going on for 2,000 years. People think, oh, we found the bones of Jesus. Now we don't disprove Christianity. That's crazy. Listen, folks have been trying to disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ for 2,000 years. Saints, don't be alarmed. I got 2,900 emails that day. Oh, they found a bone. Pastor Rodney, read this. Pastor Rodney, read this. Pastor Rodney, read this. I've been reading that. But I've been a Christian for 25 years. I've been reading it since then. Listen, they will never find the bones of Jesus. The bo- I'm going to wait. They will never find the bones of Jesus. Why? Because they're not there. (laughs) They will continue to look. And the new, listen, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen, he, he wasn't resuscitated. He resurrected. There is the difference between resuscitation and resurrection. Resurrection speaks of New in form and quality. That is why, are you listening? The disciples are gathered in the upper room, John chapter 14. Everybody's all uptight because they wonder if Jesus really rose and what happened to him. And uh, oh my gosh, they're scared because the disciples didn't know what really happened. Although Jesus spent the last three and a half years trying to tell them. (laughs) But okay, fine. But they're like all in the upper room and they're like, oh, well, well, he did rise. Finally, they came to that conclusion in John chapter 14. Are you with me? (laughs) 
And Thomas is there and he says, oh, I don't believe it. He said, I don't believe it. And Jesus, in new in form, fresh in quality, resurrected body, the Bible tells us he walked through the closed door. There's a newness right there. He rose a newness of life. He walked through the closed door. He walked up to Thomas and he said, Tom, take your fingers and stick them into my hand and take your hand, your fist, and stick it into my side and don't be doubting, Tom, but believe. Jesus rose and the resurrection speaks of freshness, newness in form and quality. Different than resuscitation. Somebody say Amen. Different than resuscitation. Now, don't misunderstand me. Yes, what happened to him literally happens to us spiritually. Please don't misunderstand me. I don't understand all that. I don't understand how what happens to him literally happens to us spiritually. I don't understand all that. I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. Don't y'all say amen. But... But listen, just because I don't understand something, it doesn't make it any less true. I just don't believe the Bible. So? Just because we don't understand something doesn't make it any less true. Listen, I don't understand electricity. Amen. But I got the lights on. I don't understand DNA. I mean, I don't know how it is that I eat and, and sleep. And eat and sleep. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1 800 293 That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a song.